Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Ms. Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about Austin comedy, those passing through, and those who we are blessed come our way. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. If you're listening to this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and events page for live shows once we get back to them, uh, featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. And we've been doing a weekly online comedy show called Isolation okay. Comedy. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene, and today the national comedy scene, one of the best in, in the, the world. All right, now that introduction was long, but just wait until I introduce our comic for today. Uh, born in New York City, but raised and raised in the Bronx. He cut his teeth in the New York City comedy scene, one that we are very fond of here at the uh, at Comedy Wham. He's been on Montreal's Just for Laughs. You've seen him on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Adam Devine's House Party, At Midnight. Uh, he was handpicked by Howie Mandel for the CW Showcase uh, in Montreal as part of Just for Laughs. A Variety Magazine, okay, now this is a pretty cool credit here. Variety Magazine picked him as a 2016 comic to watch, along with other alumni like Lauren Lapkus, Cameron Esposito, Roy Wood Jr., Jermaine Fowler. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? This is incredible. Uh, he's also got an Entre Nos HBO special. You can hear him on The Church of What's Happening Now with Joey Coco Diaz. Is there anybody that he doesn't know? Probably not, not at this point. All right, now, in the last two years, this is where I'm gonna get really annoying, because I'm now I'm gonna go into fangirl mode. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I love Superstore, and he has been a guest with like legit cool guest parts in both of those shows. So that was pretty cool to know that, hey, I've seen him, I've watched him. In fact, I rewatched them earlier this morning. All right, enough of the fangirling. Over the last year, he's been uh, cast as a character on a show that was released earlier this year on CBS called Tommy with, and excuse my language, Eddie friggin' Falco. Uh, and he co-stars with her as the character Abner Diaz. <sighs> and as if that wasn't enough, because that's already a lot. He's a good guy. <laughs> it's not all just comedy and TV credits. Uh, he works with the Psychological Trauma Center at Cedars-Sinai, a one-of-a-kind school-based prevention and early intervention mental health program that serves Hispanic school children in the community. This is going to be uh, way too short of an interview for everything that I would love to talk about with our guest. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Vladimir Camaño. Just a round of applause. I'm just I'm clapping into the microphone to yes, me too. Get a feel of applause. Um, it's amazing what you miss, right? Yeah, I mean, I I could I could have run for pages on on that list. That's uh, an impressive. Thank you, so, thank you so much. It was a very nice intro. In some ways, it's creepy that someone knows so much about me. <laughs> you know, it's pretty it's pretty uh pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. 
it, uh, I, I do really good research. So I, I, I did go to the trouble. It wasn't trouble because we do legitimately have Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Superstore on our, you know, our watch list. We went back and watched those episodes that you're on. And like the Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I distinctly remember you know, your role is the, the uh, sneaker thief accomplice. That's how I condensed it. Right, right, right. And... I was like, because, you know, some people will say they were a guest on a show. They don't have speaking parts. And you have, like, a legit speaking part. And, you know, it's a very short part on the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But then when I went to watch the Superstore episodes, okay, I promise you I'm not stalkery. I just do really good research. And these are my favorite shows. I was floored because I remember the... I mean, if anybody doesn't watch Superstore, they're like, Valerie, shut up. Get on with it. <laughs> right. You know what's uh, funny is that, is that research is all about, con like, there's a, there's, a, there's a fine line between research and stalking. It's all about yeah. content, right? Yeah. Say, say if I'm researching uh, Charles Darwin at the library, uh -huh. it's a form of intellectual stalking. Yeah. You know, so in essence, it's all, in essence, it's all stalking. All of yeah. it, the whole thing. Right. Yeah. If you go on Twitter and you're following, you know, say, Bill Maher, you're stalking Bill Maher. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I guess I guess the I guess the, the tone in which it's done. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just to, to uh, it also done is done to convey like yeah. legit fan of what you do and right. what's what's really interesting uh, about the superstore appearances is that one really marries your background as uh, from the Dominican Republic, you know, raised in that that uh, you know your parents are Dominican uh, uh, and being raised in that culture and then the best is showing showcasing your spanish on this major network tv show and now pivoting to the comedy elements that's such a big part of the comedy that i saw of yours you know the jimmy kimmel yeah um the howie mandel showcase it's such a part of you that you know i did want to consciously go from okay i'm gonna fangirl about your appearances on two of my favorite shows but then kind of pivot to oh but this is such a reflection of who you are yeah man and even that is uh even that is malleable right you know like uh who are you so to speak yeah you know it's you but it's, it's almost like it's a, it's a different it's a different version of you which which leads you to think that under any under different circumstances you could technically be anybody Mm -hmm. You know, um, all, all they are are words on a page, you know, ultimately. And then yeah. if you say them a certain way, you communicate a, a meaning. But it, it's fascinating that, I, that I'm, I've been able to, you know, parlay a lot of my experience into, into uh, a variety of different versions of me. So yeah. it's still me, but it's like, it's like, it's like different versions of me. It's like, it's almost like alternate universes, you know, um, so it's, it's it's fun, man. It's really uh, it's really great, and I'm looking forward to once this pandemic is over to to find to find like you know what are the what are the versions of me are there you know yeah. like you know when you watch uh you watch uh, I think it's Louis Anderson on that show with uh with Zach Galifianakis yeah baskets and it's like man you know who'd have thought who'd have thought? thought yeah thought? just play just have fun you know have fun try something out and. As long as it's it's one you know it's it's in good it's in good uh, creative spirits, mm -hmm. um, you know the 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 uh, the field is open. 
So it's open, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I, one thing I keep praying for is for, is for, is for like, uh, so guys like, uh, you know, certain, certain actors that inspire me, you know, like Robin Williams and, and Denzel and those guys. And it's like, you watch them and you go, they must've been nervous when they took that, that role. Like they, they had to be nervous when, when he did Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, when he, mm-hmm. when, when Denzel uh, did Malcolm X, you know, we, we look at them now and we go, oh my God, it's so great. But at the time they were like, uh, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going yeah. to jump in and I'm, 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 I'm going to go. Yeah. So. And I feel like that is probably something that you've thought about with your role on Tommy, because that's more of a dramatic or that is a drama. It's definitely yeah. not, definitely yeah. not a, a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they're different. They have different muscles. They have different beats. Um, with Tommy, it's, uh, it's more of, uh, um, you know, you're playing with, uh, you know, I'm a series regular. So I'm in every episode versus in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Superstar, I'm a guest star. Mm-hmm. So your, your positioning and how the story is told is different. You know, whereas in Superstore, you're kind of like, you're, you're, you're kind of chiming in, you know, but on, on as a series regular, you start to really push story. Like a lot, it's yeah. like you, you, you really have a, a, a more influence in how the other characters are behaving. Um, and it's just fun because you say a line and you look, oh man, this is going to connect back later, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe in episode five, they'll use what they did in episode two. So every time you read a line, you have the excitement of going, man, like who knows where this is going to go, you know? Yeah. You know, maybe maybe they're teasing out a relationship with Diaz and this other character, you know. Um, so it's just cool. Yeah. You wrote a pilot yeah. called My Bronx Life. Called A Bronx Life. A Bronx Life. A Bronx Life. Yeah. And since you have that experience of going from the writing to trying to get, you know, land that that show, which, you know, it didn't at the time that you were pitching it, but you, I I've read that it is something that you hope to get back to mm-hmm. uh, is, do you think that your, your brain is on constant in constant motion because of the experience of writing that for thinking like you were just saying that, you know, where is, where is my narrative going to go in this, in the Tommy yeah. show? It certainly gives you confidence. You know, like when I sold my pilot, um, it gives you the confidence that like, so there's a, what I'm working on, what I'm writing, what I'm putting out, you know, it has a place in the market and it's good work and it's, it's gotten the attention of, of, of certain people. So it gives you confidence to be like, well, what's next? What else can I write here? Mm-hmm. And can I do it with more fun next time? Because, you know, when I first did it, you're doing it with anxiety, you're doing it with stress, you're doing it with pressure. You're like, man, I got to get this thing going. And then once you do it and you, you feel the burn of a network passing on your project, it's like, well, I made some money and um, I got to play myself on a network show about my life. And how many people can say they did that? Yeah. Very few. So you kind of go, man, what are, what are the characters can I come up with? What are the stories can I tell? So I, I've been, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm working on a couple of the projects now that uh, hopefully, you know, once the pandemic ends, I can see them to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, we're going to do the old, uh, the, uh, what was the show, Wayne's World, you know, we're going to go backwards in time because there, I have a a Hallmark question that I like to begin and end with. And I want to get, get to that question and also just find out more about your career in stand up. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let me start by asking you now that we're, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes into this interview, 
Can you give me uh, one word to describe your past? Um, you know, it's a good question because it always changes, right? You know, if you would ask me that question when I was in college, it'd probably be like one word. And if you asked me when I was in high school, another word. Uh -huh. You know, when I look at it now, I would say the word is rich. You know, rich in detail, rich in emotion, rich in texture, rich in storytelling. You know, maybe because of my, maybe because my, my vocabulary is a lot stronger now. Mm -hmm. And when I say vocabulary, I'm talking about my ability to, to sit with a certain experience, to sit with a certain memory. Like maybe my dad and I had a fight about something. Whereas as a youth, I kind of just want to brush it off. As an adult now, I'm kind of like, what happened? Was I partially to blame? Did I in fact say something wrong? So you're able to get like different layers of the story. And you kind of go, what did my brother think about that? Let me call my brother and ask him what he thought about that moment. And then you start getting different vantage points. Yeah. You know, you, I'm, I'll probably be talking to my fiance. Hey, this, this happened. What do you think about that? She'll go, wait, but I know your dad. He would do X. So I think um, the, the, it's almost like a telescope, right? Like as you get older and wiser, yep. hopefully, you're able, to mag you're able to look at, man, all this was going on. Like my mother was in that room. So I, I would say rich. Yeah. What? What motivated you to start stand up? The, the answer, the answer again is always changing. You know, I, <laughs> um, I suspect, um, I suspect that we all have a, a craving for some type of freedom, you know, whether it's buying a car, some, sometimes people buy a car because they want to get free. Hmm. And a car is, you know, is, is very symbolic of American freedom. You know, the Chevrolet, I'm going to get in my Ford, I'm going to get in my pickup, I'm going to go out there. And I think, um, some people become martial artists, some people become creative writers, some people become a hairstylist. You know, maybe you with this podcast, you were all looking for a version of like, how can I, uh, how can I be different versions of myself? Yeah. You know, so I think for me, it's, um, uh, I was watching Eddie Murphy with my older brother and my cousin, and I just got a real kick out of watching them watch Eddie Murphy. Huh. And they'd be watching Eddie Murphy laughing their heads off. And I would go, huh. Huh. That's a nice way to get your ego stroked, you know? <laughs> you know, like they're, they're laughing at Eddie Murphy and they're saying Eddie Murphy's great, man. He's the funniest dude ever. And I was like, that's a great way to get some attention. Yeah. Um, so then from there, my father was also into Rodney Dangerfield. So I got into that. Um, then later on, I got into Steve Martin. I got into Robin Williams. I got into Jim Carrey. I got into Ellen. I got into Whoopi Goldberg. I got into Melissa McCarthy as of late. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I hate to be like, you know, spiritual about this stuff, but there's something to be said about the things that catch your eye. Mm -hmm. You know, I can imagine, I can imagine Jay-Z when he first heard a rap, right? Something, something went, you know, hey, 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 yeah. pay attention. Hey, pay, hey, hey, get over here. And maybe for a couple of years, you kind of fight it like, get it, stop, you know, this, this, this mosquito is just annoying me. <laughs> And then you start to like, you know, it's what Joseph Campbell calls, uh, you know, follow your bliss. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of Star Wars, at least the first three, the, 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 original, the original three. I know people, ner nerds get into fights about what, yeah. which one are you talking about? New Hope are you talking about? Um, you know, I always say like, what if Luke decided to ignore Obi-Wan? You know, who's this old guy bothering me? Uh -huh. you know? <laughs> Would, would, would he have met Chewie? Would he have met, you know, Leia? Would he have met Han Solo? Yeah. So that's kind of how, that's kind of how it started. I think we all have a little bug and, and, uh, you know, if you believe in yourself enough and you have people believing in you Yeah. and you know, the, the problem is that 
especially with comedy, I think, you know, more so than any other profession is that uh, it, it requires a lot of stim a lot of uh, you being legitimized. You know, have you done sure. a Montreal comedy festival? Have you done a late night? Which mm -hmm. club are you past at? Uh, do you have any film credits? Which, which makes sense because there's so many of us, you need, you need a way to, to kind of, um, uh, you know, give people, uh, you know, schedule opportunities. Right. Like with a lot of us, it's like, man, how am I going to get into Montreal? How am I going to get into this? And it requires an enormous amount of belief, especially in an industry where it's hard to make money. Mm -hmm. It's hard to make money, man. You know, you get, you're getting paid $5 in certain sets, $7. You know, sometimes they pass a bucket around. Hey, guys, here's a bucket for the artist. And you, yeah. you, know, you tell your parents, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing a prom show at 1 a.m. at New York Comedy Club. A prom show? <laughs> you're performing for teenagers? What are you, a pedophile? What the hell? What are you, doing? <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, the beginnings of comedy are very just kind of like bare bone, man. Mm -hmm. You're in some bar to open mic with comics who are just waiting for themselves to go on. You know, they're like, oh, I got to listen to this guy because I'm number 10 in the bucket list. You know, um, so, yeah, I would say it's, you know, enormous belief uh and just kind of being patient sticking in it mm -hmm. a very long-winded answer no it's it's good when did you start what year i started i would say i'm like 13 years in now okay 13 right. 14 years in maybe and, in 13 and 15 i always look i think i started in 2007 okay and um which would be 13 years now i started 07 07 08 that's when i really kind of started you know trying to go out every night yeah. And, and I'll, say this, I'll say this, I'll say this. And like, it's curious. I'm curious because I want to talk to you about Austin a bit because <laughs> I've kind of been interested in Austin as of late mm -hmm. because I've been watching Richard, Richard uh, Linklater. Yeah. A director. Yeah. Uh, I'm fascinated by that guy. I'm, I'm fascinated. Huh. By, like, you know, I just saw Waking Life. Um, I just downloaded Slacker. Uh, I've been watching um, uh, uh, School of Rock. So um, the Austin, I'm, I want to know, know about the Austin comedy scene. <laughs> okay. But, but long story short, I, I, in retrospect, you know, I feel like I sound like Malcolm Gladwell when I say this, but in retrospect, I, I'm realizing now how significant it is that I was living in New York City. Um, this is kind of the epicenter for stand-up comedy. Right. And, you know, I love LA, I love all the other cities, but I just, I, 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 I assume the subway system here just makes it so that you can get to so many different shows within a short amount of time. So it's almost like, it's almost like you're going to the gym and you're trying to do bench press five times a day, but you got to do it in different parts of the city. If you're in LA, the challenge is there's always traffic, right? Where's parking, you know, so you can maybe get two, three sets a night. Um, but in New York it's like, well, I'm going to do a bar in Brooklyn. Then I'm going to run to the Upper West side to the comic strip. Then I'm going to shoot down to the comedy cellar. And then I'm gonna close my night out with a with a midnight show at, at Stand Up New York, and then uh, because I was living here rent free with my dad for a long time, while I was while my comedy income was low, I was able to live rent free with my dad, and I was able to do all these spots. So my development was massaged by the fact that my cost could be kept, you know, minimum. Yeah. I'm living with my dad. We were from New York. Where a lot of comics come to New York from other cities, and they gotta they gotta couch surf. They gotta stay with a friend. They gotta be a roommate. While they're doing that, they got to work at a hot dog shop. They got to be a waiter. Yep. And when I look at that, I'm like, I'm very blessed that I had the, the privilege, you know, being able to, to leverage the fact that my father already set up roots here, which then allowed me to get into stand-up and do it in a way that was like, I mean, listen, I had my stresses, but it was like a lot of the stresses were reduced um, because, of the, because of my circumstances. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I, I, I still have my bumps in the road, and of course we can talk about that. But uh, in retrospect, New York is the place to be, man. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I've been covering the Austin comedy scene for years, and it's it's always an interesting thing to watch our Austin comics who move to New York. And then, of course, you know, there's it's always a question, New York or L.A.? And uh, I think the folks that go to New York know that they're in for a hard, hard road. Uh, but they know that that hard road will have payoffs if they are persistent and they keep working at it. Right. And right. yeah, unfortunately, too many of them, they have to, you know, have four roommates in a yeah. one bedroom studio. I, I don't know how anybody does it. But, you know, if they've got the drive. Yeah, then you ask them, do you have health insurance? They kind of go, ah, you know. Yeah, that yeah. You know, so um, what's the Austin comedy scene like? Um, well, you know, it's so hard right now because we've been living in this quarantine state for a few months now. It's, it's a great comedy scene. The, the thing that comes up often when uh, I talk to comics that are not in, in Austin or based in Austin is Austin's too nice. We are very supportive. <laughs> We, uh, <laughs> I know. God forbid. God, God Worst forbid. thing in the God world, forbid. right? God forbid. A community <laughs> God, God forbid. God, you know that. You know, I want to make one quick thing. You know, my friend, my friend, uh, I got a friend, my friend Damien and I. We always talk about this whole like struggling artist thing. Uh-huh. Like it feels like there's a period in our history as artists where you have to kind of pay your dues, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that is a sign of a true artist. You know, did I did I <laughs> did, I, did, I really fight? did I really go through it? And like, you know, I think we all wish that people were more supportive. Like, yeah. I think we all want that, you know, I think, I think, it's, a, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's almost celebrated. Like, oh yeah, he did the comedy show and this guy, this guy had the World Series on while he performed and, <laughs> and he, his joke still landed. That, that's what I call comedy. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Like, but when you compare it with, somebody that has to to fight you know with hundreds of comics in a new york or figure out you know who's the right person to know in la yeah we we don't necessarily prepare our austin comics for living in that environment but then that's why that's why you go to those environments to learn those skills and you know we have the gamut we have i talk to people who are like you know i don't want to go to those cities until i'm ready and then we have others that say just go just right. go. You're not going to ever be ready, ever. So just go. If that's your ambition, just get there. You know, it's so, funny because like uh, what you're talking about is almost an extension of like what what uh, college preparatory programs try to do. Hmm. Like you know, they'll, they'll take a kid from a, a, a rough you know inner city neighborhood or or, or economic straits, e- economic you know uh, constraints. Sure. You know, hey, we're going to teach you how to write an essay. We're going to get you scholarships. We're going to get your room and board. So you can survive those four years at Harvard, and then from there you can launch into your adulthood. Like mm-hmm. this should be a version of that for comedy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're going to write jokes. You're going to get the scholarship. You're going to do four years in Manhattan, yeah. and then at that point you'll launch off and yeah, you be adult. successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only there was an easy formula <laughs> for it. You know, side, side note: I love Austin because uh, I play San Antonio from time to time. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. My fiance. Uh, she came to she came to see me last time in San Antonio. We drove to the Salt Lake, the Salt Lake barbecue. Ah, yes, yes. And I know some of your listeners are probably vegetarian. All love to them. Nah. Uh, 
and a lot of my friends are vegetarian, they're vegan, but I just want to say, I want to shout out, you know, the Salt Lake uh, in, in Austin, because we, 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 we have their seasoning. And, uh, oh, nice. And, and then my fiance, shortly after that, she went to Austin with her friends and they saw the bats, the bats coming out of the bridge. Yeah. Um, it's a cool city, man. It's a cool yeah, city. Yeah. No, uh, I have found myself uh, on, on many an occasion driving down to San Antonio. Uh, I don't know if you were doing the LOL club. I was doing the LOL at the um, the one by the Riverwalk. Oh, okay, that one. Yeah, that one does not exist anymore. But uh, the LOL, really? yeah, yeah, they, they yeah they closed that one down. But the one, uh, the other one, which is a little bit north of town, uh, has really, really good. Uh, whoever books it is great because I there are so many times where I look at the calendar and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm driving to San Antonio this month a couple wow. of times. So uh, yeah, it's it's really good and. Uh, I think they they've uh, I think they've upped their game in terms of competing with who we get in Austin because our big club is Cap City. Yes, which, Colleen. Colleen. Yeah, which Colleen. I'm guessing. Yeah, if you know her, and if you, I mean, if you've gone to, if you've been on Just for Laughs, then you know it's probably oh yeah, it's a no no brainer to get booked for Cap City uh, Comedy Club. So, How is that club? I, I've been I'm dying to play it. How is it uh, nice? It's very nice, yes. And, and uh, because Austin is a good comedy scene, like people respect Cap City. Uh, you know, it is, it is the big venue club before you get to a theater level. Right. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a great awesome. venue. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, can't so. Wait, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be keeping an eye on whether. Yeah, you know. man, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and you'll be like, oh my God, that's the stalker what? interview lady. <laughs> What is the deal um, with Austin right now? Are things open? What's going on? Is it? Um... So uh, Austin, as you may know, is the little blue dot in a very conservative red state. Okay. Okay. So while our, our governor has said, oh, let's just open everything up. Uh, Austin has been very conservative and trying to not open as aggressively. So, so far, the only comedy that is happening are there's a comic that is doing a drive a drive-in type mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. uh, scenario, and then uh, there there was this weekend somebody that hosted an open mic at an outdoor venue, and that's all that's happened. So our governor tr has basically opened things up a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I host a show and the. It's at a bar and the owner is like super gung-ho to get started. He wanted to open up uh, and do a, the show last weekend. And my gut said, no way, not happening. And I, I asked the Austin comedy community, so when do you think you'd be ready? What are the precautions that you'd want to take? And pretty much everybody said, nothing in June is going to happen. We're wow. just too wow. anxious. Wow. So I've been keeping an eye on the Cap City calendar to see if they've booked anybody. And there's a smaller uh, club in town called the Velveeta Room. And they haven't opened up yet. So I think you know, it's representative of, of how Austin is compared to the rest of, of Texas. This, you know, they're kind of doing a wait and see approach. But I do know that Dallas, San Antonio, and Houston clubs have started shows uh, starting either last weekend or the weekend before. So, you know, wow. you can get booked 
outside right. of Austin. I just right, think, right, right. yeah. Yeah, so those conversations are starting to bubble up, like where comics can go and, um, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's the good thing of being a traveling comedian is that, say if you live in New York and the state opens up, you can go work there and make, you know, make some money. So mm -hmm. um, interesting times, man. For sure. For sure, uh, in more ways than more ways than one right now. It's like you know, just... I, I I do think about like what this pandemic would be like if you remove the Zoom and everything else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, at minimum, it allows this to happen. It allows a comedian from New York to talk to someone in Austin. Yeah, we can keep the keep the momentum, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine this? Like, just you and me in a bubble right now completely distant from each other and and yeah. trying to figure out where is stand-up comedy going to be yeah you know? um so i i think that what we're doing with these conversations like you and i is and i is maybe it's a sexual term but like we're getting we're getting the blue balls you know hmm. and we're getting them it's a healthy blue balls you know we got the the comedy blue balls we're talking and then when things open up it's gonna be like oh great seeing you hey yeah we, we did a zoom call together there you there you are yeah. Oh my God. I'm in Austin. Hey, let's let's go. Let's go come to the, come to the show. You know. So I'm just I'm blessed that at least we have this man to. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, we've been producing these online comedy shows, and I feel the same way. Like I love seeing live comedy. I love festivals when they come through, when I can you know see a person face to face and watch them uh, live and in person. And I just think about all the people that we've had on the online show and how and, oh, I just can't wait to see them yeah. live and in person when they come through Austin. And listen, bombing, bombing on Zoom yeah. is a lot healthier than bombing in person. Uh, well, then again, then again, it's easier to record a bombing like you. Yeah. You know, I, right. I, I did a comedy show about two, three, maybe three weeks ago. And, uh, you know, whether or not whether you're doing you're trying to figure out if you're doing good like am i doing good and what mm -hmm. am i killing am i what am i doing here and even if you bomb on a zoom on a zoom thing it's like everybody knows yeah it's zoom you know it's right like, exactly <laughs> it's, like, it's like a compassionate release <laughs> exactly <laughs> bomb but it was it was zoom all right come on, <laughs> yeah exactly there's no asterisk on that and then and then you know to see some guys to see some guys like blowing the light right yeah and like you just do the light on a zoom and it's like I, I i i was trying to find the light you know what the light is yeah. you see the time you know what you went on exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh interesting times and we'll see if you know the the online show has a has a reason to be after yeah. things start yeah. opening up yeah. you know I, I have i have friends who are hermits and they're like this is so great the online comedy show is so great for me because i know i don't have to get out of my house and i can still watch great comedy so i don't know we'll yeah, man. and it really it really makes you question your insecurities you know mm -hmm. because because for a stand-up comedian when you're on stage um how, how long you been doing stand-up um i've been doing it like less than three years i'm oh, i mean yeah. but, that, but, that, but that, that's enough you, yeah you, you know that like you start to, you know, when you're a couple years in, you start to learn what a good, like you start to hear it. Like, yeah. that, that, that was, that was good. That was better yeah. than the last time. Yeah. And I think, I think we're still trying to figure out yeah. <laughs> the acoustics. Right. You know? um, and by the way, and, and I, I only asked you for reference, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes people ask that question because they're trying to gauge where someone else is at. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to see, you know, where you're at and how long yeah. you're at. That's all. Yeah. And I've been watching very closely the Austin comedy scene for eight years. So, you know, I, I, 
I know when a set is bombing, but the comic themselves is a great comic. Right. So, you know, when you, you know, it's a hobby, right. it's right. an advanced hobby that I can tell those nuances. Uh, so, for, so for eight years, you were just watching comedy. Mm-hmm. Crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I def- I, and I didn't start this podcast because I wanted to do comedy. I just, I started because I love, I wanted to get to know the people off stage. Right. Uh, after watching them do great stuff on stage. So. I, I would go when I was, uh, when I was before I jumped into comedy, uh, this is before YouTube, I would go to the Paley, the Paley Media Center. Okay. New York, and it was like an archive. I would go in there for like hours. <sighs> I'd watch like Jerry Seinfeld sets. I'd watch Richard Pryor sets. I'd watch uh, George Carlin sets. Wow. I mean, now on YouTube, but back in the day, you had to like book a time and I had to go watch all these clips. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always a, you, uh, almost every comedian has this phase where they're just nerding out. Yeah. They're just nerding out, man. <laughs> and then they're stalkers, they're stalkers, you know. And, <laughs> and they talk about it like it's a fetish. Yo, you heard Bill Burr's going to be at the, at the, at the lounge. You sure you should, Bill Burr's going to be there, man. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and people outside the community are like, well, who cares? And he's like, yo, it's Bill Burr, man. Yeah. Um, Patrice O'Neill's going to be there. Um, but that, that that's always a good sign when you when you geek out for like yeah. a period of time yeah 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 oh my gosh um we have already gone about 35 minutes i think we wow. could talk forever and ever and ever absolutely uh, i want to be respectful of your time uh do we have time for a few more yeah, questions and things to explore so yeah. uh you've accomplished a lot of really great credentials in the last five years can you yeah. uh tell us what it was like when you got just for laughs, because that's such a big thing. You know, here yeah. in Austin, people know what a big deal it is to, to get that. Um, and if you if you like uh, Valerie, right? Yeah. If you like Valerie, uh, Mashable did a little piece on me um, connected to just for laughs. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, if you want to link it with the podcast. Sure. Um, just type in Mashable, Vladimir Kaman, it'll show up on YouTube. Okay. Um, I auditioned three times. I got it on my third try. And I think, you know, one thing that was hard for a lot of, com- a lot of comedians take it personally. Mm-hmm. They take it personally. You know, oh man, they're looking for this type of thing. You know, I killed that night. You know, I killed that night and, 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 and they, they passed on me. And I remember every year com- to this day, even when I, even when years passed, I'll, I'll pop into the clubs and I hear the comments talking about it. You know, they 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 bit a man. They blah blah blah. Mm. They're looking for this. You know that kind of thing. And I think um, the good thing about auditioning for Just for Laughs is that is, is for many comics, it's their first experience in dealing with their relationship to rejection. Um, at a level where it's because typically, if you audition for something, it's typically like small stuff. You know, sure. Um, you're auditioning for like a small comedy competition. It's a small festival somewhere. But then when it's Just for Laughs, it's like you got rejected. And what I would say to comedians is that, and this is easier said than done, <laughs> but it is important to understand that they have about three judges and they're sifting through hundreds of comedians. And it's, a, it's hard for a lot of us to swallow the fact that maybe there's a comedian who's similar to me in Austin who did a better job. Mm-hmm. How would I know? I was only at the New York audition. Yeah. But you'll take it personally. You know, the, the, ju- the, the judges, they, 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 don't, they don't like what I do. And it's hard to do. It's, this is what I meant by trying to get the accolades. It's very difficult to pursue your craft 
when nothing is going on. It's easy to do your craft when you're getting constantly rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it takes a long time, but I would say, I would say just, just try your best to not take it personally. You know, if, if you get it great, if you don't say, you know, uh, and maybe, maybe the reason you got it was also luck. Hmm. Who knew, you know, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's so difficult to not take any of this stuff personally, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like judging. I don't know. What's an example of something like, uh, a diving competition you know what you know the things that you are looking for precisely and what it means to get a 10 uh rating comedy you can't do that so those judges have you know whatever they're looking for and this is oh goodness uh phone call Uh, people like you valerie i guess so uh (laughs) the we have a competition in Austin called the funniest person in Austin uh, competition. It crowns a winner every year. And the, you know, very similar to what you were just saying is just because you've won or not won doesn't mean you can't do great things. Right. Or doesn't ensure that you will do great things. It's, you know, no one path is the same. Right. Right. Right, right, and that, and that's very hard for people to understand, man. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to understand sometimes. Still, to this, you have to you have to remind yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, life is strange. Yeah. Life is strange, man. You know, we all want to pursue our dreams and 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 have our own version of success, um, mm-hmm. but you know, we don't know where things turn, and and you just you know you you do your best, you try your best, and yeah, and you hope that your friends you have friends along the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that matters, you know. To have somebody yeah. say, you know, if you bomb, to have somebody say, you know, hey, man, so you did a good job. Because yeah. I'll be honest with you, I've had friends, I've bombed, and I've had friends who kind of said, like, yo, man, you got to stop doing this. You oh. know, you're, you're making a fool of yourself up there. And I remember hearing those voices, and I remember, I remember thinking to myself, I have a choice to make here. I either listen to what this person is saying or I keep going with the knowledge that I'm potentially making a fool of myself. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Because now you're up there performing going, am am I an idiot right now? Hmm. Am I a moron right now? Like you're just trashing yourself on stage, you know, like, um, so I've learned, I've learned, uh, one, one of the things I've learned and, you know, knock on wood is, um, I've learned to recognize um, when, when, you know, the, the type of people that make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. You know, this person makes me feel good about myself. And that goes a long way. That goes a long way. Even if they don't directly say it, the fact that they make you feel good about yourself, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you bombed on stage and they barely bring it up, it's a good person to be around. Yeah. Because that means they're hanging out with you despite the bombing. Right. They like they, you. And they, I like you, man. <laughs> that, goes, that goes a long way to making you funny on stage. Yeah. You know, my, 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 the group of people around me make me feel funny. And then you go on stage, you go on stage with that, with that lightness. You're like, yo, I'm, I'm a nice guy. Like, people like me. Therefore, there's got to be a handful of people in this room that don't like me, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, when, 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 there's, there's always haters, man. There's always people that just kind of kind of got to bring you down. Yeah, yeah. Kinda... I mean, uh looking backward 
could you have ever imagined that first time that you got rejected at, at Just for Laughs that you would have, you know, this really diverse acting career, the the, uh, the pilot under your belt, the potential for, for bringing the story of your life right. uh, to us on TV and then being right. in this, in this uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I have to say it again, Edie friggin' Falco. Oh, now, listen, listen I, 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 I thought the same thing when I, when I got the, when I got the, uh, the confirmation, because, you know, I got, the, I got the script and I auditioned, uh -huh. and I, I said, uh, man, if I can book this with Edie Falco, like, holy cow, man, like, yeah. I've been watching Edie for years, you know, and I, and I would watch her on screen, and I remember looking at her going, like, she just looks like a good person. Mm -hmm. That's the weird thing about this, man, like, I would watch her on Oz, I'd watch her on Nurse Jacket, watch her on Sopranos, and something about her just kind of broke through the character. I was like, she looks like a, just like a good person. Uh huh. And then I auditioned for the thing and I get the call, Vlad, you know, you got the role. And I meet her for the first time at a dinner. We had a cast dinner. And I remember walking in there going, who am I to be here? <laughs> you know, this, this sucks to think this way, but I'm just being honest. You know, sure. I had to, I'm, I'm a stand up from New York. Who am I to be here with Edie Falco? Like this woman is uh, arguably one of the best actors in our, in the in in the game right now. Yeah, you could even argue like for the past hundred years, whatever. She's that good. Yeah. And I meet her, and she's so warm and welcoming. And then you learn that like she went through the same thing. You know, she went through the same voices and rejection, and and she's extremely humble and gracious, and she has nothing but gratitude. And you go, okay, so you can be successful and carry yourself like that. You know, like Edie makes me feel good. You yeah. know, back to my point about people that make you feel good. Yeah. I was like, she makes me feel good. You know, like she makes me, you know, if, if Edie says I can act, I'm going to go act in this other thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, then, and then when someone says to you, oh my God, you can't act. You go, no, dude, Edie Falco, <laughs> Edie Falco, you know, uh, work, we work together on scenes together. Uh -huh. So whatever you say means garbage to me. Yeah. I had, e I did it with Edie Falco. You know, it's like. You know, the, the people around you sometimes, they're like, they're almost, it was, it's, almost like, it's almost like they're notarizing you, like, boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's your new tagline, Vladimir. It's Edie, yeah. Edie said I can. Oh, Edie said I can do this. <laughs> so who are you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but she, but she, you know, she, she really is amazing, man. Like, you know, I, I always say about her that she's so ordinary, she becomes extraordinary. Hmm. Uh, obviously, that's, that's what makes, she's found a way to... Um, just be simple, simple. Yeah. She, you know, she, 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 she gives you the dish and it just feels like it's an amazing, it's an amazing culinary delight, but it's uh -huh. just like, so what'd you put in this? And she goes, Oh, just salt and pepper. <laughs> like, wait a minute. So you made this tomato <laughs> like that with just salt and pepper. Like, yeah, yeah. I took my, took my time with it. You yeah. know, that, that, that's what's so, that's what's so amazing about her. Yeah. Well, congratulations. It's an yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, amazing journey that you're on. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we're going to start wrapping down because I, I, I don't want to take up too much of, of your time. Um, is there anything that you, you'd like to promote that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I would like to promote uh, my social media, um, which is Laughing Glad. And that's my Instagram. That's my Facebook. That's my YouTube, the whole nine. Because eventually this thing will open up and I'd love to come to Austin and other yeah. places and have your listeners come check me out. Um, you know, I, um, I got some stuff coming up that I'll probably share with you. Uh, uh, I have something airing in June, but I'm just trying to figure out if I can, if I could announce it just yet. Sure. But, uh, 
when it comes up, I can send that your way. But so that's why I say if they follow me on YouTube, they can. Uh-huh. If you follow me on Instagram and everything else, they can get that information. Okay, very cool. Okay, so uh, I like to close out with uh, uh, another question, mm-hmm. and that is one word to describe your future. <laughs> I don't know uh, how to spell I'll, that. I'll tell you why. Uh, I'll tell you why it's, it's a hard thing to answer because, you know, one of the things you know, I uh, I've dealt with anxiety in my life. Um, and one of the things you learn about anxiety is that you have, you have, um, you, you have an addiction to anticipate. Hmm. And especially now, we're all trying to anticipate how things are going to turn out. You know, and I, I, I'm speaking specifically about current events that are going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all sitting here going, how is this thing going to turn out, man? How is this going to turn out? When is it going to get resolved? If it gets resolved. If it gets resolved, what is it going to look like? What is the new version of, of society going to look like? And um, I'm learning to live in the moment more, to live in, in, the, in the, the present. I would say that uh, my future looks peaceful. Um, it looks tranquil. Um, and those are, those, those are my, my, my needs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, sorry, those are my wants. Yeah. Uh, my needs are I'm extremely successful. <laughs> 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 I got boatloads of cash. And, uh, <laughs> I got houses. I got houses on different coasts. So those are those are my, my. So I would say I would say this, and this I actually you know learned from Edie. I'm working on Tommy. Is that uh, all we can control is the process. So I hope that the outcome of the next ten years of my life, twenty, thirty years of my life, are extremely successful. And I hope I'm able to help other people in the process. And I, those are my outcomes. Uh-huh. But I hope along the way that I'm peaceful. I'm calm. I'm in the moment. Um, you know, I feel like I sound like Kurt Vonnegut right now because, <laughs> you know, Kurt was very big about, Kurt was very big about what is good and bad. Uh-huh. What's good now could be bad later. What's bad now could be good later. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing was just, you got to love the, the people you're with now as much as you can, as best as you can. So, um, that's a long answer to a short question. But... <laughs> one word ish. <laughs> one, one word ish. I would, I would say peaceful. I would say peaceful. Okay. Very good. Very good. I'm very, I apologize, Valerie. No, not at all. No, you've, you've been very gracious with your time. And, yeah. uh, just remember, I'm, I fangirled. Thank you. Valerie. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All I right. Appreciate it. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham! Presents Vladimir Camaño. Uh, tell us again where we can find you on social media and uh, promote that YouTube channel so we can yeah. keep an eye out. So it's Laughing Vlad. It's L-A-U-G-H-I-N-G. V-L-A-D, Laughing Vlad. And uh, definitely catch those past videos there. And he's, yes. his website also has a lot of the video clips yeah. from the shows yeah. that I talked about and uh, the At Midnight appearance, which uh, you, you were on the... <laughs> I have to drop this. So I'm a big Dalia fan. So right. I'm like, oh, right. you got to stand next to the right. towering asparagus that is uh, Chris <laughs> Dalia. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Vladimir got to be the comedic genius that you heard uh, today, just as much as I have. Uh, this has been Comedy Wham presents Vladimir Camaño. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Vladimir. Thank you so much. Talk soon.